0: You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no nonsense advice with thought provoking interviews. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Ask Nurse Alice podcast, the show where we talk about anything and everything nursing and healthcare related. I'm your host, Alice Benjamin, clinical nurse specialist, family nurse practitioner, and chief nursing officer here at Nurse.org. And I'm really excited for today's interview. It's been like one in the making. She's been amazing at getting this done. I mean, she's such a busy woman. I'm a busy woman. And I'm so glad we were finally able to bring this together. I'm welcoming to the show, Andrea Dalzell. She is also known as the Seated Nurse. You guys have seen, you've seen her. You've seen her (laughs) on everything. She's been on television. You've seen her on social. She's like doing all this amazing work. She's received a plethora of awards, including... Being named New Mobilities Person of the Year for 2021, she's received the inaugural Craig H. Nielsen Visionary Prize winner 2020. I mean, such a wonderful person, a registered nurse, healthcare advocate, disability rights influencer, speaker, and most importantly, a survivor. And in fact, we're going to get into some of Andrea's story, but, you know, starting from in her early childhood at as early as age five, when she was diagnosed with transverse myelitis, which is an inflammation of the spinal cord, which has led to, you know, caused her some pain, muscle weakness and paralysis, what led her to be in the wheelchair full time since the age of 12 and how she's overcome all of this. And done so with grace, with style, with grit, and she is doing the damn thing. So I'm excited to jump into the interview. So Andrea, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you.
1: Oh, thank you so much. That intro, like <laughs> not not for anything though, like every time someone intros me to hear everything again, you kind of like, like, wait a minute, did I, did I do that? Like, that's me. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, but you know, the wonderful thing about that, that
0: just shows how modest you are and how sincere and genuine you are with the work like you are really being your true and authentic self. So, and then we're nurses, right? We're not always expecting a pat on the back. We just get it done. We just do it. That's it. That's That's all you got. Right. So, uh, I mean, I know you, I've been following you, but for some of those folks who might be newer to you definitely would like to get into your, your journey and your story. And I always like to ask people, um, one of the first questions is why nursing? Why did you decide to become a nurse?
1: Ooh, I love this story Mm because I actually never wanted to be a nurse until (laughs) I became one, right? So like you said, at five years old, I got transverse myelitis and at the age of 12, I became a full-time wheelchair user and I had 33 to 37 surgeries since, right? So when I was in high school, I, I went to my graduation, I had to be signed out of the hospital. My doctor and his NP came with me to graduation and in my memory book, they write, Please anything but a lawyer because they knew I was on track. So being a lawyer and coming back for all the things they ever did to me that I didn't like, they didn't have my consent, they had my parents' consent. That's that doesn't work for me. I mean, at the time I was naive, right? So I'm reading this message in my book and I'm like, all right, if you can't beat them, you have to join them, right? So I'm gonna go and I'm gonna figure out the cure to pain, right? I'm gonna figure out how to make transverse myelitis reversible. I wanted to figure out how to not have the same experiences I was having as this child growing up in healthcare and having this disability and figuring out how to make it better. And auditing medical school classes, I realized that the medical model was very much about the disease process and the chronic illness process and not about the person. And I already felt that. Why should I jeopardize somebody else for that? And how much would I have to fight to change that for the whole medical board? Someone said... Well, you should be a nurse. And subconsciously, never saw anyone in any of my teams, nursing wise, that had a disability. And again, 37 surgeries, that means that's 37 OR teams, 37 rehab nurses, 37 different med surge nurses, ICU nurses, you know, PACU nurses. I'm seeing nurses in my everyday life, and I've never seen one with a disability. So, how could I be one? Right? There's no representation there and then i took my pre lnn exam i waited a year before i actually applied to nursing school and it took me until the last day 11:59 p.m. for me to actually hand in my application for nursing school not knowing if i would actually get accepted because representation was a thing i didn't see it i didn't know if it can happen i asked nurses and they would tell me no so it's like how do you see yourself as being a nurse and then i get in first day of orientation it's like, okay, I'm in. Like, my grades got me here. It wasn't interview-based. It's, it's me. It's merit. And professors come up to me, and they're like, we don't think you can be a nurse. We don't think that our hospital partners will allow you to be in there. We're not sure if you can withstand infection protocol. And I'm like, but the ADA says you have to educate me. <laughs> you already accepted me. And thankfully, my background was already in disability advocacy because I held the title of Miss Wheelchair New York 2015 which is an advocacy platform. So I already had the advocacy in me. It was just now taking that knowledge from one platform and transforming it into my educational platform and seeing how that was going to work. And everyone who knows nursing knows that nursing is no small feat. Nursing school is you're in the trenches in nursing school. Whether you're in your LPN, ADN, BSN, MSN, you are literally just, it's work. Now add on disability and add on the perception that I wouldn't be able to do it from everyone else besides my peers, like my cohort was, was my saving grace. But everyone else around me was, we don't think you can. My clinicals, my nurse managers on the units that I was doing my clinical practices, even the dean, like it was just one of those questions that no one knew how to answer. Thankfully, they allowed me to figure it out. Fast forward, four years later, I'm a whole RN with an MSN now, right? And I've, I've worked. But the journey to get here was not easy and not initially wanted. Wow.
0: Wow. You were going through nursing school with the additional challenge of having a disability on top of also being a woman of color. I'm going to throw that in there because <laughs> that's also a challenge yeah. too because representation matters. Yeah. I want to know, and I mean, there's lots of people, we, people can get very discouraged at even the slightest things. I mean, you said your your class was your saving grace, but and everyone else around you, it seemed like they planted a negative seed. What kind of Teflon vest did you have (laughs) that kept you strong, motivated, and still going? Or did you actually have days where you're like, you know what?
1: I can't. Oh, those days were endless. The I can't days. The, the negative talk to yourself is endless. We do that to ourselves in general, right? Now, imagine I'm hearing it from those that are supposed to be supporting me and guiding me through this educational process. And like I said, you're in the trenches when you're in nursing school. You're really just trying to get through the next exam at that point, right? And, and trying to absorb as much information as you can and hold on to that until NCLEX. So for me, that's a mental anguish on top of my physical anguish every day where now I'm up in school. I was part of student government at the time. I was holding the title of Miss Wiltshire New York still as I had gotten in. I was in my last six months of that. So I still had a heavy workload outside of school on top of school and then the negativity. So yeah, Teflon vest indeed, but I didn't see another way out. I didn't see another way for me. I didn't see, there was nowhere that stuck out that I belonged. And I think that scared me more than someone telling me no. I can see that. So
0: perhaps you didn't see a clear pathway, but you said, you know what, I'm about to blaze a pathway and create this opportunity for myself. And which, by the way, you've definitely helped so many other people after you. It's not always fun being the first y'all or having to kick down and knock down those doors, but Andrea, you definitely did. And I mean, you did so, I mean, again, you already had this advocacy knowledge. So it's like, try me. I I know. I already know, you know, what you can and cannot do. So part of it also is you were very knowledgeable amongst people who may not have been as knowledgeable when it comes to disability, because let's be honest, even though uh, we are healthcare providers, we're nurses, many of us are not always informed with how to best help or support people with disabilities. And guys, when I and when I say the word disability, I also want to reference that there's physical disabilities, there's cognitive and learning okay. disabilities, vision disabilities, hearing disabilities. Like there are many people in the world with disabilities. And so, but sometimes it's not as obvious as some. So like maybe in your case, Andrea, it was a lot more obvious, but sometimes healthcare providers you think that we know like like your nurse the dean or the manager on the, like what do mm-hmm. you mean what do you mm-hmm. mean you don't know how to help mm-hmm. me don't you help people heal and get better what do you mean you don't know like so i'm i'm so glad that you you had the tenacity and the courage to stick it out and to ride that wave and to you know go through that journey now let me ask you this as you progress through your nursing program even to all the naysayers or the negative folks once you got through, did ever did you ever have a, a little piece of you like trying to look back like, told you I was going to do it. like, I don't know. That's
1: maybe that's the petty in me a little bit. But did you? Ever- oh, I, I am petty. Murphy, let us go. <laughs> like every single time I even think about school and that anguish that I went through, like you have no idea how I just look back now. And I know they're proud. I know that they're proud professors there because this is what they were able to accomplish on their perspective, right? But this was my accomplishment. And very few of them actually supported me through the entire process and therefore after, right? I still have emails after I passed my NCLEX where I'm reaching out saying, I'm on interview number 35 and I don't know what else to do. Can you write me a letter of recommendation? Can you submit like my information that I did through clinicals so that they know that I can do the job? Like, can I get something else? And they'll be like, well, nursing is just so physically demanding. We're not sure how best to help you. I'm like, didn't you watch me do this through clinicals? Like, you know, didn't I get the grades that, that I was supposed to get? And didn't I prove it? I, I passed the NCLEX. Like, could you could you help me out just a little more? And it was the door. And I was like, you know what? I'm always going to face an obstacle. There's always going to be something. My disability doesn't allow for me to live in society as, as it is built right? It is built for those who are able. We are not thinking about people with any type of other disability, as you therefore mentioned. But can you help me? You are nurses, right? Like This is what we are built to do. And when we give so much care in our profession to someone who has a disability and living with a disability, don't we expect them to come back and help us now help someone else? Exactly. And, you know,
0: that speaks to Having a diverse workforce who is representative of the public in the community that we treat. Not until we have that type of equality in our workforce will we ever truly, truly be able to get rid of health disparities, health inequities, and and it's no knock, it's no diss, it's no shade. But you, some people just don't get it because they don't understand the lived experience, they don't understand the culture, they don't truly understand the problems that are at hand. So therefore, since if you don't really understand the problem, you can't really help me come up with a solution. So that's why, Andrea, nurses like yourself are so, so needed to be at the table. And although you're a nurse, still, I'm pretty sure, you know, lessons learned from you could help other people in other specialties, respiratory therapists, physicians, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. other occupational therapy, like it's so important that we have a diverse workforce. But you mentioned a number, you said 36. Hold on, hold on. You get through nursing school, you passed the NCLEX, so now it's job time, time to search for that job. Mm-hmm. How many interviews did you have
1: to go on before you landed your first nursing job? Okay, well, there's a differentiation here. Okay. I got my first nursing job May of the same year that I passed my NCLEX, and I became the health director of a respite camp, and I took care of campers coming into camp. Great, great job but i needed clinical position because i wanted to be an icu nurse i wanted to be a pediatric icu nurse just like my pediatric icu nurses that used to make me laugh and hold my hand and keep me company i still have pictures with my pediatric icu nurses like i love that team for me that team got me through some very deep times and very vulnerable situations so my love for them gave me that love for pediatric ICU nursing and what I wanted to do. And I wanted to go on to be a CRNA. My gusto was to find these clinical hours so that I can apply, right? This is what you have to do. This is the process. And interview after interview after interview, I submitted over 2,000, it was 2,500 applications, I think I had last counted. I had gotten over 76 interviews. So 76 was the number. And out of those interviews, they're all clinical. So I've had other interviews that were desk jobs, you know, assessment-based things, but I wanted hands-on clinical. So 76 is for the clinical interviews alone. Wow. Can you walk us through some of the interviews? Like what were they, what were they like? So I can tell you about interviews throughout. I went in and I'm this happy, oh my goodness, I feel great. I love the facility. The conversation went amazing. And then no callback. That's like the first 10. Okay, something's wrong. Maybe I need to talk to my interview coach from when I was a pageant girl and and figure out, you know, what am I saying that I shouldn't be saying, did all of that. So from 10 to like 35, I started kind of touching on my disability through the conversation. But some of them would bring up, Oh, you don't have to talk about that. HR isn't here. It's okay. You can just, you know, just go through the regular questions. And I'm like, but in order for me to answer what you're asking, I kind of need to give you the picture, because if not, you're not going to see it. Okay, so then, 30 to 45, I'm blatantly talking about my disability now, and now the the conversations are are not about my nursing anymore. It's about how does my disability then help me throughout my career. The interviews start to change. I've had some really great interviewers where they're like, "Oh, I can't, you'll hear from HR on Friday." Friday comes, I reach out Monday to HR. HR Wednesday, I sent all those follow-up emails after an interview, and I would get silenced. And you you asked me before, like, when did I want to give up? It was then. I hated those interviews. I hated that rejection. It was like, do you not see me? Like, what do I have to do to just be seen or be heard or be given the opportunity of a chance? We talk about this chance that comes with the American dream does that not afford to someone with a disability, especially a black woman and who has proven with merit that I belong. And I was like, I just couldn't understand anymore why I was not being accepted by the very profession that healed me enough to be there. Mm. Wow. Wow.
0: So you went on all these interviews, interview 76. Yeah. What, what changed there? How did that become the last number for the interviews?
1: Interview 76 happened in March of 2020. What was going on in March of 2020? The pandemic just hit New York City and every single hospital is scrambling. Our governor is asking for all of nurses to come out of retirement. We need nurses from other states. We need nurses from our military. We are begging for nurses. Our hospital systems are swamped and HR puts up their number online, and I call, and I show up, and the interview was like less than 10 minutes. Oh, this is what you have. These are your credentials. This is what you did. Thank you. Here you go. You start tomorrow. (laughs) And I was like, I should have more interviews with just HR because this was easy. And then I get in the car, and I'm like, that was HR, and it wasn't a nurse manager. The moment a nurse manager sees me, I'm going to be rejected. The moment a nurse manager finds me on the floor, I am not going to be there anymore. Like I am, li- I am really counting my chickens before they hatch, and I just need to wait this out a little bit.
0: And that Reality. was seventy
1: six. Yeah,
0: that was your mindset. And I'm sorry that you ha- you felt that way. That speaks volumes to how you have been treated. And you know, I'm sorry that you know nurse managers have made you to feel like to anticipate that. You shouldn't have to anticipate that,
1: like you said, you know, yeah, but well, but you know let's let's give this benefit of the doubt on representation, like I mentioned. I never saw a nurse in a chair, and it took me a year to actually put in that nursing application for school you know and and yes i I made it through, but I had to also explain that to all of my clinical exper- uh, professors, I had to explain that to all of my you know cohorts every class, every term, every semester. So what difference was it going to be in the workforce if I was already seeing that? You know, representation is such the key. I grew up watching ER and and House and Grey's Anatomy and all of these shows, right? And never seeing someone on any of them with a disability besides Grey's Anatomy where, you know, it's like Arizona Robbins, like, lost the leg. But again, The story never was about her actually doing the job at the job. It was more along her personal life. So again, you don't see it. And if you can't see it, can you envision it? Because usually the perception is only what you have of yourself and those around you versus trying to have an open mind of what someone else can bring to the table. Fair enough. But I'm glad that you were able to
0: break this glass ceiling because now we see it. Now we can believe it just kind of curious have you have you gone back to the schools I should say how many schools have you gone to now to speak to and to educate you know not just you know speak to the students about you know and encourage and motivate them but talk to the actual program directors and faculty about how to work with nursing students who have disabilities and how to create opportunities for them how to
1: include them how to make them feel heard um how has that been so I've spoken to colleges and, and nursing programs from coast to coast. I really do, when anyone like reaches out to me, I encourage them to look up the National uh, Association for Nurses with Disabilities. Because that's the starting point. The fact that there isn't actually a national association already in place. I'm not the first. I won't be the last. I may be the first for my state in a wheelchair, but it's not just about my wheelchair being the disability. It's disability as a whole. And when I talk to students, I love to give them this nit point: What happens on the job when you get hurt and you can no longer do what you've done because someone is telling you you can't do it, or pain is holding you back? what do you do then? Do you switch careers completely? How? Are you going back to school? Nursing is what's ingrained into us. It's what we love. It's what we do. And it's why we go through the trenches to get those letters, to get that credential. So what happens when you can no longer do the job you love and no one is teaching you what disability means as the professional? nowhere in your educational journey are you taught about disability in a professional manner. You're not taught about it in your textbooks when you're caring for patients. You're not even taught about it when you're hands-on until that patient rolls into the ER or onto your floor, right? So why is there such a disconnect from just, just being human, right? And we are the ones that actually push that human connection forward, especially when we are our most vulnerable indeed. So I guess you're going to be teaching the class at all the universities,
0: um being the the lecturer. Um because, and you know what? Because it's also, I mean, I have to say your 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 lived experience for people it it's inspiring and it's motivating because and you're still like you're still smiling. You're still thriving. Like you are working on so many amazing things which we're going to get into here shortly. I mean, For someone who has gone through a journey like that, you know, you you mentioned, you know, all of the surgeries that you've had, how much time you spent in the hospital, how you were treated through your nursing school, and then the 76 interviews, still to be not, you know, not resentful to the folks that treated you like that and still wanting to help them. That really speaks volume to the type of person that you are. And we need more people like you out there because it's real quick. Look, real quick, it's easy to, you know, when someone's not nice to you or they mm-hmm. treat you poorly, it's real, it can be really easy like to just turn off and just like ignore them completely, like not want to mm-hmm. help them. But you, it sounds like you have found some inner strength and your personal story have motivated you to actually help the profession even more. Because we have got, got problems. Our profession definitely has, <laughs> we, I mean, a whole we, bunch we, of issues.
1: We got, I mean, what profession doesn't at the end of the day. Exactly. But I think the story is a little bit bigger than me. If I'm facing this, what I'm facing as a nurse who has the background knowledge of healthcare and, and still meeting this barrier, and, and I'm going to make mention of this one person who I hope your listeners and everyone will follow or, or look up. Her name is Gloria Ramsey. She was part of John Hopkins' uh, nursing team. She is the first believed African-American woman who went through nursing school with a disability in the nation. Right. I connected with her a couple of years ago and her words to me were exactly my words to you today about the same obstacles we faced. And she went to school in the 1980s versus me being in school in the 2000s. And why are we facing these barriers? Is it because we choose not to see it? Is it we choose to believe that we are immortals and we are superhuman and nothing's going to happen to us? So therefore, we're not planning for it. Is it because we're not letting someone to the table who actually knows? Or is it because human design is really just to only see those in our, own, in our own lens? So Gloria Ramsey, right, just kind of opened the door for me to say, you know what, Andrea, take what you know from my era and what you know from you in your current state and pass on the word to those in the younger generations of nursing so that they don't keep repeating the mistake that could possibly hinder their own care. And that's why we have her on the podcast, <laughs> y'all. Okay, And that's why we need to share
0: this episode. Everybody you know, co classrooms, case managers, your managers, everyone. Uh,
1: but you're right.
0: We do, need to, we do need to talk about this and address this. And like sometimes when there are issues in the hospital or at work, the rules that apply, they'll say they'll apply to the majority, the 80 20. Mm -hmm. Okay, that might be the case, but you still can't ignore the 20. You cannot leave them behind. And I think that's so important for people to understand. Well,
1: what part of 20 is it actually identifies as having a disability in your in your workforce? And who's speaking up and saying, hi, I have a disability and I need help. No one. No one feels comfortable to go to HR and ask for accommodations. Nobody even knows how to even start that process. And then HR will be like, oh, we can't do this. And then what do you do? No one knows. I didn't need accommodations, thankfully, through school. You know, a lot of people like to say, well, she had a, a wheelchair, so she she got help. No, I didn't get help. I had to do everything that my classmates had to do. And I did that because I didn't want someone to look at me and just use my disability against me. I took up boxing to be able to do CPR from the seated position, right? Like, these are things that I did to make sure that I didn't get any more negative yeah. <laughs> comments. And then just wanting to, again, belong. I just wanted to belong. And I think that's what any and every one of us wants at the end of the day, more so when you you invest so much into this profession. Sounds like you weren't looking for favors.
0: You weren't looking for handouts. You wanted this and you earned it and you did did. everything to do so and to show others that you are definitely worthy of, you know, being a nurse and being at the table and having
1: the same opportunities as others. It's bigger than me. It's for every other patient that's going to come through those doors. This is not just me. Like if I just wanted to advocate for me, fine but it's not just about me. Exactly. And speaking of it, bigger picture,
0: you say it's more than just you. You have been on a real big advocacy role. And, you know, and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not sure where you are with this, with your own organization. Like, I just remember looking up on Good Morning America and see you getting like, like, I just saw you on television. They had a big check. And then they're just like, you know, we want you to continue to do this great
1: work. And so like, where are you with all of, all of those things? Okay so I have a foundation it is called the seated position I'm the seated nurse and I offer you the seated position at the table get it so so the seated position is so that anyone who at any point in time acquires a disability or has a disability that wants to get back into higher education or get into the professional world, um, how do we make courses accessible for you? Whether you're in person in a classroom, whether you're online, and how do we navigate what accommodations actually mean so that we're not just making it seem like you're getting a free hand up, you're not, you're getting the equal playing field and and you should be able to request that and people should be able to understand that request. I do bridge that gap right now, especially for STEM programs. So I do that mostly for mathematics, engineering, chemical um, processing, and for nursing. Currently. I love <laughs> it. I love
0: it. And is this program for, is there an age uh, criteria for it? I mean, can we refer people to it? Like, how does it, how does it all work? How, what can you share with those of us who are listening so we can help connect people to your program? Is there certain criteria?
1: There is no criteria you just need to you just need to want it right you need to be able to to have already started the process into an educational uh, setting whether that's from high school to higher education or going back to school from a professional um, development side. Uh, We make sure that we're connecting not only the school, but the participant. So if the participant's also looking for a program, we're partnering with that program. I'm able to do that in conjunction with being able to do referrals over to the National Organization for Nurses with Disabilities, as well as mentoring students directly who reach out to the website, uh, who are requesting my help directly, or even consulting with the schools directly. Wow. I don't know, I'm an outsider looking
0: in, but I would say in my head I'm thinking she is getting to do the work that she is most passionate about and it's so meaningful to her. That's got to feel good. That's got to feel good to finally be in a position to turn around and help other people since it's not just about you but, you know, like you said it's 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 a bigger issue. How, I mean, how does it feel to actually have an organization like this where you're able to offer assistance to other people
1: oh i'm tired mama needs a break (laughs) well (laughs) yeah you're a nurse um well
0: they say to whom much is given much is required required
1: this is true this is very true and therefore i am like i'm a i'm ecstatic that i'm at this point in my life right now i didn't see this part when i had started nursing school i didn't see this and to look back and see the journey, it's definitely been a whirlwind experience. And again, to reach the level that I've had, I just hope that I've been able to create a pathway for others to follow, and and to be able to influence a profession so much so that when someone does walk in with a limp, or walk in with a missing limb, or roll into their office because they're on four wheels, that they're given the chance, right? That they're given the opportunity to not only prove themselves, which no one really needs to prove themselves for anything. They just need to be given the opportunity and given the chance to do something, put their stamp on it. And that's what I've done. I feel like I'm not there yet. Hopefully at one point, my services will not be needed. That's the whole point of a nonprofit is to be extinct at some point because you've been able to impact that much change. So maybe In 30 years, my name will be in textbooks. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be in case studies that nurses are learning about. You know, I'm hoping to create such a change that the legacy itself has impacted the future versus me as a person creating the change. I love it. (laughs) And in regards
0: to this, I mean, disability is the fastest and largest growing minority in the world. And so (laughs) we
1: are the majority now. Okay. Listen, more than 1 billion people globally live with a disability. Globally. And that's that's them acknowledging their disability on paper. One billion. So could you imagine one billion with people who acknowledge it now put on those that don't acknowledge it, what that equates to? Because remember, disability is disability. But we don't add elderly to that list because elderly just wants to be elderly. But elderly utilizes the same services as those with disabilities. So do they not tie into the same numbers because of age? Or is it just age plus disability? Guess what? Disability is still a part of that equation. I think she just schooled us, y'all. I think she just,
0: she just, <laughs> you did. I mean, you, you stated something that was so hidden, but is the obvious w- once it's said out loud. And mm-hmm. I think that's what we just need to have the courage to say things out loud and acknowledge things. And so that way we can really do the work that we need to do. And so, Andrea, I have to applaud you and give you your roses now. You are doing such an amazing job. And it's not just for you. It's for other people. So. I have to say, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to talk to us. I thank you, Nurse.org. Thanks you. Our audience does. I mean, you're doing amazing work. You're definitely one to follow. Um, and just so we can you know, keep up with you and supporting you and the many things that you're doing, where can people follow you?
1: Where's the best place to connect with you? Okay, so you guys can find me on all the social media handles. I am at The Seated Nurse on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Uh, And then just, you know, you can shoot me a message. Go over to my website at theseatednurse.com. I'm happy to reach out to anyone and everyone. So go ahead, just shoot me a message.
0: Thank you so much. We, you know, it's been a delight talking with you. I'm inspired. I love seeing all the great what you're doing. It puts a smile on my face. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. And it makes me feel good to be a nurse. I love seeing nurses in their respective areas thriving, adding to all of the amazing things to do because there's so much work to do, guys. There's so much work to do out there, guys. And so I love it when people walk in their purpose, walk in their passion, and they're thoroughly enjoying what they do because that's what nursing is all about. Wherever there are people and there is a problem, nurses should be there. We We can help provide solutions. So Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You guys make sure to follow her. Also make sure to share this podcast here with your classmate, your uh coworker, your manager, your friend. Uh, I think this is some really great information we want to get out to other people and even if you're not a nurse, the message is still very inspiring. And you know, let us know what you think at nurse.org, leave us a rating, review, let us know how the podcast went. And then if you have a question or a comment, you can also email me at nurse Alice at nurse.org. Be happy to respond to you. And guys, um, it's always a pleasure speaking to you. But until next time, please, please, please make good choices. Be kind to one another and live well, my friends. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.